The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And hello, everyone, and welcome to The Intentional Spirit. We love this show. We enjoy it so much. We love our guests, for sure, and all the things that we learned from them and all their life's experiences and everything. And I always remind myself that being intentional eliminates being in the waiting room of just let me wait and see, or let me get something worked out or, or whatever. It's about still a forward movement of life. It's a energetic presence and intentional spirits don't wait until everything feels comfortable. (laughs) They know that you just still keep taking steps. It may be pray and meditate, but you are in a place of action. You're in a place of an energetic presence and the power of giving. I'm thrilled today to have as my guest, David Friedman. He is an amazing human, as we like to say, that someone that is a difference maker and that has truly impacted and affected many people's lives. David, welcome Welcome, welcome. It's such it's a pleasure to have you talk today. To you, whether on the phone or on the radio or whatever, it's lovely to be with you. Now, you are um, a man of many hats and have so many things going on all the time. And um, your, your book, The Thought Exchange, I tell people that, and with whomever interviews me or with something, if somebody wants to know how I evolved, as a gay person, um, especially years ago when, you know, it was still so not cool and all that. And I, I say every time it was David Friedman's book, The Thought Exchange, to realize that it's just a sensation. It's not me because airplane conversations, meeting new people, when we would get to a level that was too intrusive, too personal, I would absolutely shut down. (laughs) Right. Because my, you know, it's like you were saying the example you gave when we shared a cruise together is you were talking about, you know, one of the ideas with you when you wrote the book is, is that if you um, are performing on Broadway or you were performing at the Today Show with uh, Kathy Lee Gifford or whatever you were doing, this sensation would come over you like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it. You know, I'm going to pass out. This is just too much, you know, and um, you learn to shift that. And I, I realized in that big aha moment that in my generation, it, it wasn't acceptable in small towns to be different sexually. And I realized that it wasn't people distancing themselves from me. It was me distancing myself from them 
because I could only go so far in the conversation, you know, because if you really found out all the things I couldn't tell you, I would get the same effects that I got from my family going, well, we used to love you. We loved you better that way. And we can't accept you this way. And um, your book um, altered my life um, because I would just realize the sensation and I would breathe. I would take a breath and I would go, oh, this woman sitting beside me on the plane, whom I may not even like or whom I may never meet again. But she started, you know, overriding my being with question after question after question. Oh, I bet your husband, I bet your husband just thinks what a wife I have. And I used to, I'd go, well, I got to go relax, put on my headphones because that (laughs) sensation would just absolutely shut me down. And I, so I'm aware of it and I go, Oh, I'm starting to go to that old pattern. And I would go, actually, I don't have a husband. I have a wife. Her name is Barbara. That would be a giveaway anyway, wouldn't it? Ha ha ha. And I just keep on going. Well, what about your husband? Where it's just been so free. And I, you know, if you say, gosh, I, if I made a difference in one person's life, my life has great meaning. Well, yours does because you certainly changed mine, sir. Thank you. I mean, you know, it's interesting because as you were talking, you brought up an interesting uh, thing that people squeeze two things together. So when we say, oh, my God, I feel this way, I'm not going to make it, those are two different things. One is a sensation, and the other is a thought that we have about that sensation, and I heard something that Michael Singer said the other day. He said, uh, he wrote The Untethered Soul, and he said, your mind is going to have all those thoughts. That's what it does. It protects you. It's always going to have them. The problem is not that you're having all those thoughts. The problem is you're listening to them. And so what happens is we get a sensation that comes with the territory from our history And then we take on a thought about that, like, oh, no, this means this, that means that. And then we act on the thought. Like, in thought exchange, it's about most of the things that we do that are challenging uh, come with discomfort. They come, you know, we're on the radio now. We're delighted to be on the radio, but... I don't know about you, but when I get on, my heart is beating a little faster. My, you know, I'm a little, my throat is a little tight. But I don't take that to mean, oh, my God, this is dangerous. I, I'm happy to be here. But that comes with happy to be here. And most of us, because of early trauma or, as you said, being not accepted, have spent our lives trying to get away from sensations as though they're not tolerable or that they have meaning. And when we turn around and simply surrender to them, simply go, this is the way I feel. So when you're on the plane and they say, what, who's your husband? Your heart pounds, you tighten up, and you go, ah, sensation, surrender. And then you say, I have a wife. Now, It's highly unlikely, but if someone said, oh, my God, you're so disgusting, how could you do that? You would surrender to the way that feels. That's not about Mm -hmm. you. 
it's about yep. that someone doesn't get it. And I remember when one of the things that I did uh, is I conducted a lot of the classic Disney films, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And my first uh, gig, and at that time, Disney was quite a homophobic company. Now they're terrific. But, I mean, at that time, you know, Walt Disney was known for being uh, homophobic, and the company was... So I was conducting the New York Philharmonic. Here's little David from Broadway conducting the New York Philharmonic. And there were 16 singers, one of whom was my boyfriend. And at one point, I turned to the singers, and I said to one of them, George would you take the solo? And as my boyfriend, who was very funny but didn't have appropriate boundaries, said as a joke, now just a minute, last night in bed you said I could have the solo. And everybody froze. I stood there for a minute. I turned to the booth. I said, any questions? Okay, let's continue. And everybody left. <laughs> Love that. So, and my heart was pounding, but so people get confused because they. What happens is you take on a thought of something you want, like when I said when you were saying the intentional life. So, what I always say to people when they say, I want to be famous, I want to be successful, I want to be like Oprah Winfrey, I want to be, I say, that certainly is something available to you and that you're talented enough to do. But let me ask you one question. Are you willing to be that uncomfortable? If we think Oprah Winfrey is comfortable or Barbara Streisand is comfortable, they're not at all. They're willing to have that intention and feel what it takes to stay with it. And if we can't stay with it, that's where, like, addiction comes in. What is addiction? Addiction is I'm having a sensation. I'm afraid of it. I can't tolerate it. I'm going to drink or take a drug or do something to get away from that sensation. And all you have to do to not be an addict is be with a sensation, but that is a huge all. <laughs> I mean, but that's what we need to do. And so this notion, like I used to, you know, when you talked about Broadway, people say, David, set your intention and imagine what you're going to feel like when you're out on that stage opening out on Broadway. I know what that feels like. I feel like I want to throw up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, it's, but I do it. The reason I can do Broadway it's because I can tolerate feeling that way and know that by feeling that way, not only am I allowing myself to do it, but I am being with things that I couldn't be with earlier. And so I ran from them and stopped myself from doing things. So this, I think people really have to get that most of the things we really want to come with discomfort. And, like, I, I always find this hilarious, and you'll get a good laugh out of this, I'm sure, knowing you and Barbara. I, I had a 
a, a client in Thought Exchange, and she was single. And she said to me one day, well, you know, you have a husband, and I'm all alone. And I said, and? She said, well, when you're married or you're in a relationship, at least you know that if you come home with a problem or upset, there's someone there who always agrees with you 100% and supports you. I said, that's why you're not married, because that is hardly what goes on in a marriage. Marriage is challenging. Relationship is challenging. And if you want to be in one, again, are you willing to be that uncomfortable? And uh, this is what we live with. And then, you know, and as you're, as you're talking, you know, you think about, or I think about, or people I've met in the years after the fact of, they stood up in front of a group of people uh, thinking that they wanted to be a speaker or a teacher or an orator of some kind. They were nervous. They were terrified. They kept having to go to the bathroom. You know, that's why we have a green room so we can pee a lot. So we won't turn yeah, green, right. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, you know, and they would have these kind of experiences and they would go, you know, it, and I know it, I know you've seen it with celebrities and people that you've met in your own genre. You know, it's like, oh, then this is telling me this is what I'm not supposed to do. And that's what I love about the work that you're doing. And I'm sure the other book that we're talking about today, Help is on the Way, you know, talks about those kind of things. Because that's such your specialty is to get people to say and to see that doesn't mean anything. It just right. simply means that in many cases, it's yours to do. I'm so grateful, David, that in the early days when you started feeling nauseous and sick and everything that you didn't go, oh, well, I've got to go, you know, I'm going to be a car mechanic. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the world would have missed out on all your talents. I'm so glad that when I used to be terrified in front of the room, my mom gave me a half a nerve pill one time and my lips wouldn't even move, which I said I'd never do that again. But terrified, terrified to speak, terrified to be extemporaneous or any of that. And I'm grateful that I didn't let that stop me. But that's also true for people that are, you know, like you're talking about with this woman or or we could be talking about a couple, same sex, different sex, new sex, whatever, but two people coming together and they're together and they're in a joyful relationship and they have a sensation that's past related, which is what I would have on an airplane. Me, the adult, I don't, I'm way past caring what anybody thinks, but it was that driver underneath. And many a person that's tuning in today, you might be thinking, oh, well, so wonderful to share the you know, the holidays with Hanukkah, um, the season with my new love and the sensation comes up that they won't last. Uh, they're going to do you like the other guy did. You know what I mean? I'm and so it, they it's, are separate. It, a sensation comes up and then mm-hmm. we interpret that sensation based on the past. So this is a story I've told a lot. Uh, when someone comes up to me and says, David, 
I'm shaking all over. I'm hot and cold all over. I can't catch my breath, and my heart is pounding 90 miles an hour. I say, oh, are you having an orgasm? Because in certain situations, that would be a desirable thing to feel, or you're having a panic attack. It's your interpretation of your sensations. So you're on a stage or you're talking, of course your heart is pounding. Uh, I had one client in a workshop, and he told me, he was a major, major lawyer, and he said, I tried 103 cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. And I said, how does it feel to do that? What are your sensations like? He said, I'm sick to my stomach, my stomach is churning, and I feel like I'm going to throw up every time. He said, that never stops, but it's what comes with trying a case before the Supreme Court. doesn't mean I can't do it. And it's just so to pull back and know that we are neither our thoughts or our sensations. We are the consciousness that's observing them. And so we are totally safe because who we are is not physical. Who we are is an invisible consciousness located nowhere. And it's only when we identify with them, like, you know, usually when I do a thought exchange workshop, I start with uh, notice your sensations. Just notice them. Now notice your thoughts. Now notice your sensations. Now notice your thoughts. And now, notice who's noticing these things. The one who's noticing thoughts and sensations is not the thoughts and sensations. It's a you that is pulled back from that and is not that. But one day, I said, we're going to do something different today. I said, everybody take out a paper and pen and for one minute, write down your every thought. And they did it. And then I said, who wants a share? And no one wanted a share. So I said, okay, I'll share. These were my thoughts over the past minute. My God, what is everybody doing here? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Why are people taking my workshop? I wonder what Sean is going to make for dinner tonight. You know, I wonder when I'm going to die. You know, 30 years ago, my father did this. Gee, it's raining out. You know, I mean, and then everybody was laughing because everybody had the same all-over-the-place list. And I said, if you're talking to the Queen of England, that's what's going on in her mind. And we all looked perfectly normal. But so our thoughts are just thoughts. And we have to not identify with them, notice them, notice our sensations and get that they are not only harmless, but our ability to feel them allows us to conquer situations that in the past stopped us. So we get back on the horse with our sensations. But life is only going on inside of us. There's nothing happening out there. We're only seeing our own thoughts, uh, which doesn't mean we're controlling the world. It's just you know, my partner, Sean, Reverend Sean Moninger, he's a unity minister, and he says, doesn't it just irk you when people you can't stand have friends? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, you see someone and you go, oh, they're a horrible person. And someone else says, no, they're wonderful. They are neither horrible or wonderful. It's only your thought based on your past. And when we realize that, we can't change a thought directly. But when we surrender to our sensation and just have it, there's no need to take on what I call a protective thought. Because we only take on those negative thoughts, those I can't thoughts, to protect ourselves from a sensation. So if we can go, I'm going on the stage, my heart is pounding, my stomach is churning, okay, I surrender to that, and then I go on the stage. It's only if you can't tolerate that that you'll say, I can't go on the stage. So uh, to... I teach people and myself, because obviously I'm always working on it myself, to be uncomfortable. And I got this because I suffered for many years with panic disorder and uh, had to, if I wanted to walk across the room, I had to feel uncomfortable. So it's, it's really the, we often, so many people, you know, even come into unity or other spiritual things, and they think they're going to rise above life and be totally happy and everything's going to be easy and all the dreams are going to come true. Actually, we're afraid to let our dreams come true often because they come with discomfort. And, you know, do you think it's comfortable to be a Broadway star and every night have to go out there and do it again? It's great fun, it's very exciting, but comfortable, not in the least. It's, uh, so it's, it's not comfortable to be a minister. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're into the mask reality. So that's, a, that's an entirely different thing all, you know, all together, you know, for sure. But I, I like, you know, what you said that, you know, especially when people get into this energy of, comparing themselves to other people. And um, I remember one time hearing you on a, on a program talk about, you know, that, oh yeah, you're, you're so quick to say to, you know, such and such a person, a stranger, number one, oh yeah, you really want the life of Oprah. Really? You want to get up at three 30 every morning or, you know, and you want to be in demand all day long. You want to be that you can't do something as simple as go to the grocery, you know, or, you know, and you want to be held accountable for everything that comes out of your mouth, that somebody is waiting to sue you, you know, or whatever. I mean, the responsibility of that, and that's when, you know, one must ask themselves, what do I really mean by that? And, and, you know, what am I implying? Because, um, like you said, people can develop the skills to get to a certain space. I can't imagine wanting to be just like anybody. Uh, but that being said, you know, to have experiences like somebody, um, you got to be willing to do that, do that kind of work. You know, I've, well, I've looks, taught many, many students in training that say they want a, a large community well, if you if you cannot find comfort and joy in serving seven or twelve or twenty one or forty two, 
you know, good luck with thinking if that's too much work for you and you're overwhelmed, which, you know, you've done a lot of workshops with some of these uh, ministers out. So have I. If you're a martyr with that few people, and I'm not saying the people aren't important, but at the same time, and you're saying you'd like to have a large community, they don't go together. You know, they just don't go together at all. The consciousness has not been, you know, uh, materialized yet. Yeah, and the thing is that we look at other people and we, again, the only thing you have is experience. So you can look at someone and see what their life looks like Uh, Like I remember uh, last year, or two years ago now, I was invited to be the headliner on a crystal cruise. And, you know, I came and I worked with the singers there and there were singer friends on board. And we we did an evening of my stories of show business and my uh, material, my songs. And they, they said, you know, we want you to come on as a big star. So I did this opening video and... Oh, you know, it had the the posters from my five Broadway shows, from my ten Disney movies, from and it had Barry Manilow and Diana Ross and Kathy Lee and Nancy Lamott and Angela Lansbury, and you know, and it was all my awards. There was a whole, and it was a to my song "Listen to My Heart," and they play it, and then I came out, and I said, "Now that self-aggrandizing video you just saw is what my career." and my life look like. Tonight, I'm going to share with you what it is like. And many of my most well-known songs were written out of great pain and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, disasters that happen and stuff like that. And so you look at someone and you think you want to have a life like them, but... What would, as you were saying, what would your interior experience of that life be? So, you know, I have several close friends from childhood who are, you know, housewives or in business or whatever. And, of course, my dream was to be on Broadway. And that's the best thing you could do. And we're going to hear about that, David, and more about you and your new book, Help is on the Way. I'm talking to David Friedman. Go on Amazon.com and enter his name, and you'll see he does many, many things to impact the planet. We'll be right back after this short break. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. And I I just want to thank all of you. You're just, you're an amazing audience. I appreciate how you download our programs and you listen and you're engaged and you let us know the kind of authors and teachers and performers that you want us to present here. And, um, you know, David Friedman comes back by popular demand. 
He is one of those people that um, we always learn something. I know I do. Um, I always have a takeaway of of something that I can work on and uh, apply to my life. And I think that's another part about being an intentional spirit. We're not needing to solve that one issue so we can be in nirvana. We understand we're in our humanity and hopefully we're, we're growing and expanding every day while at the same time knowing who we are right now is okay. And we are not broken people. We are energetic beings and we're opening our hearts every day. And David Freeman has opened many hearts. So I'm going to invite you again to go to Amazon so you can find out about all his books. Definitely, if you don't have the thought exchange, it's a must have. It's like the Bible. It's like uh, Neil Donald Walsh's material. You want that book, the thought exchange. And it's a great one to give out for the for the holidays and the holy days. And his new book, Help is on the way. David Friedman. Well, you know, you got a fan with me. I'll wear a T-shirt. <laughs> Send me one in the mail. No problem. I'm on it. And that being said, you were telling a wonderful story about Broadway before we got well, cut off with our music. Was, <laughs> I, was, I was saying that, you know, my dream was Broadway. And that's what I wanted to do. Now, I have friends who say to me, "Ugh, what would you want to, you know, I can sit home with my family and have a lovely dinner and watch TV and you have to go out and, you know, be on the stage and be, you know, working. So to them, they wouldn't want my life. And that is their prerogative. That is their, so for each of us to look and go, not, what should my life look like? But what should my life feel like? What should my mm. experience be? What means something to me? Because, as you said, being in Oprah Winfrey's life or being in Barbara Streisand's life is extremely challenging, and we wouldn't necessarily want it. Uh, but we were talking you mentioned, I do have a new book, Help Us on the Way, uh, which is, uh, I'm basically what the metaphysics practice came in later. I'm a songwriter. I'm a composer. I write shows. I write songs. And I write songs that, or I should say, I don't write songs. They write me. I don't know how to write a song. I know how to open to what comes through me and take it down. And so uh, and I, a number of years ago, I have a song called We Can Be Kind, which has been all over the world. And I was in between books, and a book that was coming out was delayed. And my publisher said, you got anything else? So I took the song We Can Be Kind and made each line from the song a chapter title and then told stories and anecdotes and suggestions based on, you know, so many things we can't control, so many hurts that happen every day. We can be kind. We can take care of each other. We can remember that deep down inside we all need the same thing. And I put that out, and uh, my goal with these books, since you can pick them up anywhere and read them, is that every bathroom should have one, and every bedside table should have one, and It's just there with all these encouraging stories. So one of my 
uh, most well-known songs. It's the theme song for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. It's, uh, uh, it was recorded by a wonderful artist named Nancy Lamott. Is Help is on the way. And I wrote this song during the AIDS crisis. And the idea of the song, I was singing it into a situation where we didn't know if help was on the way. And it was scary. And the point being, this is not about, oh, I know how to do this. It's going to be fine. It's about a larger faith that there is, there must be a way for things to work out from places we don't know about today in ways we can't imagine. And so this is where we experience what's going on and then we give it over to spirit, to the infinite possibilities of the world. And so this book I came out with is based on uh, the song and Nancy Lamont, recorded it originally, and I thought we'd start. Let me play it for you, so everybody sit back and just uh, take in these words, and then I'll talk about the book. Here you go. Don't give up the ship, even when you feel it sinking. And you don't know what to do Don't give up your dream Even though you may be thinking It never will come true Life has its own ideas of how things come about And if you just hang in there Life is gonna work it out Help is on the way From places you don't know about From friends you may not have met Yet believe me when I say I know Help is on the way You don't have to know Where the path you're on is just have to walk along, dreaming as you go, asking for the things you're needing. You never can go wrong if you have faith that things are happening as they should. And just believe each step you take is leading you to something good. From friends you may not have met Yes, believe me when I say I know Help is on the way friends you may not have met yes believe me when 
give up the ship, even wow. when you feel it's sinking. And you don't so know what's beautiful. Thank you. And so the book is all stories about that subject. And one of my favorite, you know, our mutual friend Edwin Gaines told me this story. And she's one of the great prosperity teachers. And she tells this story about a woman. It's in the book. Uh, a woman we'll call her Gloria. And she was taking a workshop with Edwin. And Edwin said, think of your wildest dream and write it down. And Gloria said, no, I'm not going to do that. And Edwin said, why not? She said, because it's too ridiculous. It's not possible. And so Edwin said, what is it? She said, all right, my dream is to travel the world, see all the sights of the world, the pyramids, the Paris Opera, you know, the Milan, Venice, and to do it first class in style with beautiful clothes. And I am a part-time sales clerk in a discount department store. So Edwin, who's very Southern, said, Honey, write it down anyway. So the woman wrote it down. And about six years later, Edwin gets a call from this woman. And this woman says, You're not going to believe this. And Edwin said, Try me. And the woman said, You know, I was at work about six months after the workshop, and I realized I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, but it's not this. And right there, on a whim, I quit my job. And I went to the diner to get a bite to eat, and there was a newspaper on the table, and it was open to the wanteds. And I thought, well, I'd better look. I'm going to need another job. And there was an ad that was circled, and it said, personal assistant wanted. And I thought, I could do that. So I called the number, and this woman answered, and she said, I'm in my 80s, and I have no children. My husband just died. He was a huge industrialist, always worked. We never went anywhere. I have all the money in the world, and I have never seen the world. And I'm looking for someone who will make all the travel arrangements, decide where we're going. I will provide the clothes, the private jets, the hotels. Oh, my God. The woman went over. They hit it off. And for two years, she traveled the world with this woman in style, seeing everything she ever wanted to see. And then the woman became ill, and Gloria went home with her and cared for her until her death. And the woman, having no children, left Gloria her entire fortune. Oh, my word. The moral of the story is... Maybe think about writing down that wildest dream. And without knowing how, this is the thing that stops us. We think 
we have to know how it's going to happen. And so we close the door to all sorts of insane possibilities. And so where it's not that it's magic, it's that there has to be a way. So what I do is when I have a problem that I don't know what to do about and I can't see my way clear, I sit and surrender to the way that feels and then I just take on the thought, help is on the way from places you don't know about today, from friends you may not have met yet. And I just go about my business. I don't do anything unless a divine idea has me do it. And it's amazing how checks come in the mail and people say things to you that you didn't expect because when your mind is in that framework, all of the answers, all of the healing, all of the everything is sitting right here. It's how open we are to experiencing it that allows it to come in. So, and help being on the way doesn't necessarily come in the way that we think. So, you know, my partner, Sean, has a wonderful um, definition uh, of humility. He says humility is expecting God's best. So when you're humble, you're not groveling. You're handing something over to that which knows everything. So I always say when my toilet breaks, I humbly call the plumber. Now, I may think, wait, I want the plumber to put the toilet back together. And the plumber comes in and completely takes the toilet apart. And I go, what are you doing? I wanted it to be put together, and you're taking it apart. But the plumber knows that to fix the toilet, they have to take it apart first. And even though that doesn't look like what I, the way in which I think it should be fixed, I know that the plumber knows things I don't know. So I let the plumber do it. And we, one of my favorite sayings, when someone says, I finally decided to give up control, I go, you had it? That's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, David. That's a good one. You need to make a poster and send that yeah. around on social. Exactly. I mean, and so. No, no, that's a really, that's so, it is hysterical that, you know, kind of like when this thing with COVID first started and, uh, and then it started and now it started again and now it started again. But beside that, when it was first starting, you know, it's like people's fears were so up about they were going to die. And it's yeah. like, you didn't know that, you know, what? Yeah. 
Like what? You were, you weren't clear about that because that's yeah, happening. Right, yeah. Whether we want that, I love that. Like, yeah, I love that. that. So means. say that again the way you just said it. It's so funny. I'm finally giving up control, and you said you had it. Is that what yeah. you said? Yes. When someone says to me, "I have finally decided to give up control," and I look at them and go, "You had it," you know, like <laughs> that's ridiculous. And so you see, that seems terrifying but it's like you know in the 12 steps the first step is admitted we were powerless and we fight tooth and nail to try to have power uh and i remember i was in an al-anon meeting i'm a member of al-anon and uh a woman came in for her first meeting and so in the first meeting, you know, she was talking about her problem with her husband, and he drinks, and she wants him to stop, et cetera, et cetera. So afterwards, I went up to her, and I said, how'd you do? And she said, I was really happy to be here. And I said, well, you're in exactly the right place. You are powerless. And she said, oh, I know that. I'm trying to figure out what to do about it. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere 
That's so true. So to know there has got to be an answer, and it's for us to open your heart, open your mind. No matter how you've tried and failed, tomorrow you could turn and find that help is on the way. It's, that is what faith is. Faith is not telling spirit what to do. It's not figuring it out. It's not. It is knowing there has to be a solution. And one of my favorite quotes is, everything always works out in the end. So if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. Mm-hmm. I love that one, too. Yeah. And you just, know, the best so, is yet to come. That's or right. It's and not it's, over, and right? It's, it's here. The best is here right now. Our job is to open it. We're, you know, we're not getting anywhere. We're, our job is not to get to a permanent state of everything going well. That's not possible. Our job is to be able to surrender to what is, to experience life, to be in life when it's painful, when it's, you know, uh, a couple of months ago, I had some surgery. I had a reflux, and I had something fixed. And it was a very painful recovery, and I was fairly incapacitated in many ways. I got to tell you, from that experience, I deeply knew in a way I never quite knew before that Sean would take care of me. There was so much love, so much openness, so much I didn't have to do anything, that that experience was a gift that I wouldn't have asked for in that way, but we used it as a gift to get closer. And all adversity, all difficult things and joyful things can be used like that if we're willing to experience them and not jump out of our experience. You know, the original sin was that we fell out of connection with our spirit and with, call it God, call it whatever. And, you know, the eating from the tree of knowledge, eating from the tree of I know, as opposed to I'm here, in the Garden of Eden, but to be in the Garden of Eden, we have to experience it, and that involves discomfort sometimes. It involves pain sometimes. It involves confusion. And so lately I work on just surrender to it, relax into it, and release my connection to uh, all the thoughts I'm having about it. And then... It's amazing how things pass through. It just, something that I would hold on for five years is gone in 30 seconds. And then I'm open to the next experience. But we're not above life. We're not trying to conquer life. We're in it. And uh, it's frightening, especially when we've had traumatic experiences. But to experience those things we couldn't experience before 
and stay in life. And all of life's riches are available to us if we can let ourselves do that. So that's, that's beautiful. A thought. That's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Um, our our sages. David Friedman this day and blessing us. And again, I want to encourage all of you, if you have not picked up the book, The Thought Exchange, it's also a wonderful book to use for spirit expressing or circle groups or Zoom gatherings, because I'm telling you, if you will allow it, you can truly have a breakthrough, an aha moment, because it's so uh, interesting how those unconscious, those influencers drive our lives. You can go to you know, Amazon have and just type in David Friedman yeah. and there's you can find called, his new um, book. There's also a book called It's All Inside, which is a work okay. and you can do it as a class, a thought exchange. It's all the exercises. So Everything you need it. is right there. David, yeah. it's been a pleasure having you today and the next time let's get together soon my friend and thank you for all that you do okay love you bye 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 thank you for listening to unity online radio the voice of an awakening world I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.